0: welcome to lean back i'm lisa and i'm laura and today we're talking about the presidential election I haven't seen you for a really long time, Laura. How are you feeling uh, now that all the press has called the 2020 presidential election and Trump seems to have conceded in his own convoluted way that he will not be returning to the White House for a
1: second term? First, I feel relief because I feel like another four years of Trump would have been a disaster so like i'm relieved as far as we are gonna have another administration goes but i'm also i wouldn't say it's disbelief but it's like outrage i feel outrage that uh trump expanded his voter base and that the election was as close as it was and that the results are in dispute. Like, I'm outraged that there's any kind of posturing that Biden won it by illegitimate means, which does not seem to be the case at all. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, outrage. Definite, definitely. How about you? I would say I'm exhausted. I'm
0: exhausted because... I feel like uh, we're all living in very different realities, and um, while I do work on structures that create those different realities in terms of class or education or race or whatever, sex, gender, it, it, is, it still shocks me how little people understand about how radically different pockets of American public life are. And I just, I guess I'm just, I'm so surprised that liberals continue to think that they have a message or a platform or something that they can sell the American people that would drive them to the polls to like believe in the Democratic Party. Because I'll tell you, this was a referendum against Trump. It was not um, an endorsement of some other kind of ideology or charismatic leader or alternative vision of america it was just like no more of this asshole and 75 million people were like not this guy but i mean yeah. a bunch of those people who voted against trump also voted straight republican ticket all the way down the rest of the ballot and so they don't like that guy and it's i think it'll be a while as we unpack what it what it is about him i think it's mostly just that he's uncouth and gauche i actually don't think that people who switched at the top of the ticket to vote for Biden, but voted straight ticket Republican all the way down. I don't actually think that they disagree with his policies. Maybe coronavirus, maybe even then, I would be shocked. I think that they don't like that. He's unhinged and unpredictable and not presidential quote unquote. I think it's a, a style thing actually.
1: Yeah. And I, I honestly don't think that many Republicans switched like, Trump turned out a huge number of rural voters, like not many of them (laughs) voted for Biden. Mm. Yeah. And Democrats totally outspent Republicans, like totally in several Senate races and they lost so badly. Like (laughs) it just seems clear that like the Republicans like don't even care about centrism, even if you're appealing Like, they don't care how centrist you are. You could be the most blue dog (laughs) Democrat possible, and they still won't vote for you. So, like, I just feel like the party has to abandon trying to swing Republican voters. Like, they did maybe, like, in a little bit, but certainly not white people. I mean,
0: they did. I think that the Lincoln Project had some small effect on wealthy white mostly men. I think it's clear that like some, you know, evangelical white women broke away. I think the number that I saw was four, exactly four evangelical white women. I mean, it's not like the Democrats created more space except in overall voter turnout, especially among the 18 to 29 year old set. And that's not, that's not negligible, right? That means they got to go younger. But I mean, I have all these people constantly asking me, like, why will the Republicans not wear masks? And I'll tell you why: because it was framed in terms of freedom, and the Democratic Party does not does not want to talk about freedom, freedom to, or freedom from. They don't want to talk about how freedom is operationalized or what it means or how it feels, and so they collapse into these nuanced policy debates. And listen, I'm a policy wonk. I'm here for that. But also, we are. I'm in, in a you know class of people who who thinks about policy 24-7. That is not the American population. And so the Republicans have have marked, you know, not wearing a mask as an expression of freedom. The Democrats have messed that with no discourse on freedom whatsoever. And so it's no surprise to me whatsoever that there's no clash either on the mask issue or on the, the GOP platform as a whole, except for a style issue at the top of the ballot that's about decency, et cetera. Now uh, that's a broad, that's a series of broad statements. Obviously there are differences in places like say Arizona where Native American Latinx activists have, have been working for the last 10 plus years to create a different kind of sensibility there around their Senate race. Also, you know, mixed sally's is terrible, but you know, I just think that there is a fundamental refusal on, in the Democratic Party to understand why uh, GOP voters are so rabid for Trump and the things that he says. And they just want to reduce it either to poverty or racism. And I don't—I don't, that's not helpful because they're not going to fix the poverty and they tacitly support the racism. So if you're identifying those two things as the variables that are exponentially growing the Republican base and you're not willing to fix them, I don't see how that's helpful.
1: Yeah, the Democrats have to get way better at messaging. Like They're not going
0: to get better at messaging because they have no... It's it's not like they're, they need to sell their product better. They have no fucking product. What are the Democrats standing for? They're not standing for Green New Deal. They're not standing for any kind of redistribution of wealth from the top to the bottom. What are they standing for?
1: You could say that the, the Democrats stand for climate policy to mitigate climate change but they only do that in so far as you know it doesn't muddle with corporate interests like i'm for sensible climate policy but i'm not gonna ban fracking so it's like but then what do you mean (laughs) the whole thing is hollow so
0: i think i think anybody who's honest any liberal who's honest the, the feelings that they're feeling are not anxiety about trump it's a hollowness about their own affiliation with the Democratic Party. And they're misidentifying it as anxiety about Trump and coups and well, Listen, obviously he's a fool. And obviously he's surrounded by terrible trash Nazis. So it's not like I don't want to d- deny that reality. But the feelings that they're feeling are an ambivalence about ha- celebrating a hollow electoral victory at the top of the ticket that had no coattails and that was not going to have any coattails.
1: The loss of the Senate is tremendous and the loss of seats in the house. It's worse that they lost seats in the house, but also that's gerrymandering
0: and redistricting too. So some of that is structural, but the longer term problem is that there will be four more years of zero legislative power.
1: And that's going to be a big problem in the 2024 race because if the Biden administration is unable to accomplish policy that makes a real impact in people's lives and if they're not willing to message around that impact as democratic policy, democratic led policy, that's that is making the difference in people's lives. Then I just, it's going to be very tough to eke out an election. But
0: they're not on the same page. Here's the thing that the Republicans are good at. They're good at like the Grover Norquist, you know, don't raise taxes pledge. And they're good at um, having their soldiers fall in line. The Democrats, it's, it's not even that they don't have discipline. They don't have a message to discipline them around. What now, are you, it, you about? Know- what, what are you going to provide? What do, can you agree on? Nothing. That Trump's bad. I think that the Democrats are stronger when they have an obvious enemy in the White House. That's where they can have some sort of uh, ideological space to grow as a party. But if Biden is going to create a centrist, a quote unquote centrist government, which he's going to do, obviously, that was the coalition that he, the only coalition he could build since he didn't have any ideas really that were providing clash with Trumpism then, uh, you know, there's not going to be enough there to bring the progressives back to the table. And they're going to go and continue to push for the things that the country actually needs. And the the Democratic Party will continue to be totally fragmented because they can't get together about what kind of large-scale visionary changes need to be made in the United States for a whole host of reasons that are racial and class and definitely generational. But then I think that the things that the, the liberals are feeling that they mistake his anxiety about Trumpism are really ambivalent about their fidelity to Biden as a person for a whole host of reasons, including his previous voting records and things he said on record, especially about race and policing and the carceral state and a bunch of other stuff. But also it's about the fact that the Democratic Party is not offering a different vision of the world. They're not yeah. offering expansion of freedom. They're not doing it. And I'm sorry, but that's where the conversation has to be if you're actually legitimately concerned about reproducing or producing democracy. That's the only question on the table
1: is how do we get free and how do we free more people? That's the only question. But, I mean, we have just flailed as a response to Trump. And I say we as like a reluctant Biden voter. The whole thing has been centering around antipathy to Trump that's been the whole argument and it's not been about like making material improvements in people's lives, which is what they want to see. You and I are both Bernie bros.
0: I like that turn of phrase because of its irony, obviously. But you know, as I've said for years, Bernie's able to harness into the class rage in a way that Biden refuses because he's an elite. And
1: so, and he, ha- and he takes elite perspectives on all of the money things. Well, yeah. Well, the um- Obama administration yeah. was very Walt- Wall Street friendly. And it pissed yeah. people off. And then yeah. we got Trump. Yeah. So, and I just, how do you not see that repeating that is going to result in the same, you know, it's like, why would you repeat the same mistakes? Why would you deny the progressive efforts that help get you elected? Like, why would you deny that? the grassroots organizing from Ilhan Omar and Tlaib, respectively, in Minneapolis and in Detroit, how do you deny that their organizing, like, of progressive movements, helped push those states? Because Goodbye. the racism and
0: the sexism are still alive and well in the Democratic Party. And it's the same reason why, you know, Stacey Abrams is is going to get praised quote unquote delivering Georgia to Biden, but also I think it's likely that she loses those those Georgia Senate races. And it's not like it's entirely her responsibility. The Senate is an entirely different thing. And but but it's also I think really fucking toxic to shit on Ocasio Cortez in this moment. <laughs> By saying that the left is what is giving rise to the calls about communism and stuff in Florida, I think that that's a red herring in all of its irony, and I think it's trash politics, and I think it's fucking racist. The Democrats, they're going to get bit in the ass in four years. We're just forestalling another resurgent Trumpist candidate like Tom Cotton, and it's coming, and he'll be younger and less charismatic, but definitely more destructive. And so I really just, you know, I, I just really want liberals to see their feelings as deep ambivalence, deep ambivalence.
1: I want to turn to the rhetoric around uh, stop the steal well. and um, all of the accusations of fraud, because I think it is a missed opportunity for Democrats, like this is why Republicans are good at messaging because they have they don't really care whether what they say is true or not. They like just want to motivate people to get to the polls, um, and in this case, I think they also want to motivate people to send more cash to Donald Trump. But uh, you know. This is a missed opportunity because, you know, this is a really good opportunity for Democrats to point out how anti-Democratic uh, Republican maneuvering has been. Expressing more outrage is a great opportunity <laughs> to motivate yeah, people. But, but also theft is a real thing that is happening.
0: And the Democrats can won't counter the narrative about theft being the stealing of monies or democracies or freedoms or whatever because they refuse to offer more in return. So they can't even make the claim that the theft, they can't even produce the histories or the logical chains for the public about how the theft has been a siphoning away of money and resources from communities in their own fucking base. Biden's civility politics cuts cuts two ways, Right. On the one hand, it soothes all the white people who have sads about Trump, especially the moneyed interests. On the other hand, it does not reproduce any kind of affective field that would motivate people to expand the Democratic Party or to produce more progressive politics. It's affectively really shitty. It's lazy. It's boring. I understand people want stability, but that's how the
1: fascism expands. I also think it's dangerous for creating an electorate that's going to vote Democratic in future elections, too, because I don't know. I just see this rhetoric around like the mail-in voting being fraudulent uh, as a problem for future elections, you know, because I'm thinking like Republicans won in most of the state houses. They won most of those seats. And I'm thinking, like, what new barriers are going to be enacted into law uh, in several of these states that are controlled by Republican legislatures? Probably new barriers to registering (laughs) voters. Probably limitations on early voting. Probably limitations on mail-in voting. Probably fewer polling locations because they're going to throw a fit about security. And they're going to have to have all of these, like, regulations around secure polling places and they're going to be so fucking high that you can't have as many polling places which is going to be awful. (laughs) So I'm just worried that this rhetoric is, you know, translating into like, how do we limit people voting in the future? Like, in the name of security.
0: But it's the security theater right, is uh, here to stay. We'll have it when we travel again, right? We'll have to have immunization certificates to get on a plane and go uh, to other countries, blah, blah, blah. For me, it's bigger than that. The liberals are so anti-progressive that they're not all on the same team beating the same drum and building national consensus around the quote unquote party. They won't do it the Republicans went the opposite way and they embraced the outsiders and brought them in and built a giant movement to take over like the legislatures at the grassroots level, right. In the states, and then the executive branch and Congress. I just don't understand. They're just so entrenched that I think that the ambivalence that people feels is about how, They know the victory is hollow because they didn't do any of the work to change people's minds or to expand their ideas about what the country should be for all of its people. I mean, they didn't do that work. Biden didn't do that work. There was no imaginary work being done by the liberals in the entire electoral cycle, except by burning the progressives. And listen, those people have their problems, too. But I'm just saying in terms of the battle of ideas about how you bring people in to stand for your party as long term members, the,
1: Re- the Republicans are doing it and the Democrats refuse. Trump has been incredible at messaging in a way that has kept his base extremely loyal. And I is Biden really going to have as many press conferences <laughs> and like tweet? As much, and, like, I just, uh, it's gonna be, without that authenticity, you know, and even if the authenticity is grotesque. It is what
0: it is, though. (laughs) He is who he is. It's clear that there's nobody else in there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, uh, it does inspire loyalty, and I don't... I don't see any kind of, like, progress being made on how do we communicate to progressive voters, you know, in the same kind of way. That's
0: because the party's not progressive, it's regressive. That's because the Democratic Party is fundamentally regressive.
1: Well, you know, as we said at the top of the show, centrism isn't going to move Republicans John Kasich, you want to save us? They're not going to swing voters. Republicans at this point, because we've become so entrenched in our partisanship, like they're not going to swing. Like e- you, even if you make appeals, like you're going to reach over the aisle and they're going to cut off your fingers. So why, why not appeal to? You have to pull out new voters. You have to make sure everyone who voted for you in 2020 votes for you again in 2020
0: I mean, I was not running again in 2024, and so it's going to be interesting to see how Kamala tries to build the case for herself uh, because that, that is going to be a hard thing for her to pull off for a whole host of reasons. You know, the elephant in the room is obviously that she's a woman of color, but you know, she's also, she was more progressive in some ways in the Senate than she was at any other point in her life because she had all of that money behind her. Right. And no chance of losing that Senate seat because the Senate is so conservative. So, you know, on the one hand, people are different legislators than they are in their career previously. And on the other hand, when people say, tell you who they are, believe who they are, right? So both of those things are true at the same time. I think with her, it's a matter of what kind of persona that she's going to take on and what kinds of issues she's going to champion to try and make the case over the next however many years, that she would be a reasonable, you know, follow up to a Biden administration. And in some ways, I think there will be a lot more pressure on her to be more progressive than him, because he's the white, you know, standard bearer of centrism in the the Democratic Party. And there's an opportunity for her to not do that. it would be very interesting to see about who she gets pushed and pulled into and from. But the temptation is for her to go big money too. And I think that's always the case with the executive branch, but particularly so for her because she'll have her eye on being the first woman of color president. So the likelihood that she'll become more progressive hinges on whether or not the folks of color who are Gen Xers like her can demonstrate to her that their organization prowess can deliver her the White House. And so organizing and winning in many ways are completely opposed to progressive governing.
1: <laughs> I, I just hope she has like, uh, you know, the right people whispering in her ear that progressive is the way to go in terms of winning an election. I mean, it's, um, it's a
0: go bold or go, go home situation. I think for 2024,
1: I, I'm worried about what we saw though, you know, in the vice presidential debate where, You know, Mike Pence gaslit Uh her for two hours and lied, and people called it a civil debate. Because by comparison (laughs) to Trump, you know, that's why it's, like, I think mobilizing around outrage is important. Because, like, no, that wasn't a civil debate. He lied out of his ass for hours. The the people who vote for the Pence-Trump
0: ticket want to feel empowered to describe the world in ways that favor them. It's not that hard to understand why that motivates them. It is really not that, it's not that hard, right? They want that. And the more they get it, the more they want it. It's the same on the left, except that Democrats will not empower their base to tell their own stories, right? So, so instead yeah. you get the narrative from the most senior people in the party or the most senior people in state politics at the exclusion of all of the other voices that are trying to expand the party at the expense of the lobbyists who bought the older politicians. And it's really just a pissing contest between who got bought off by, by bigger
1: interests. That pisses people off like that on both both sides. both sides. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you had a a defection from the Democratic Party of working class white voters in Pennsylvania and in Mm -hmm. Michigan and in Wisconsin because the Obama administration was so Mm -hmm. Wall Street friendly. The irony of
0: choosing Kamala is that if, if it's true, and I think it is, that the Democratic Party is going to be the party of people of color and right, Um, the expanding browning of America, then you're going to choose the prosecutor who put away so many black people in California's prisons to do what? To re-enfranchise felons? Because that's what the Democratic Party needs to do because it's fucking ethical. Civil death is wrong. It's morally repugnant. You should not lose your right to vote because you were awaiting or convicted of a crime. It's bullshit. So that is a thing. And also, you know, everybody was like, I thought Florida was in play. Biden barely campaigned there. He, There's no Latinx narrative in the white part of the Democratic Party, which, let's be honest, is 90% of the party. So they're not concerned. They just want the people of color to turn out and elect them, and then they're unprepared to do anything to keep them happy or keep them in the party. That's their own fault. That's a self-inflicted wound.
1: Yeah, and that that's why... It's critical that, like, what Biden does about working on the post-coronavirus economy, because a disproportionate number of people losing jobs are black and brown workers. And are they're, they're, in every recession, they're disproportionately affected. They yep. lost half their wealth in the 2008 recession. So how do we change policy so that they're not just devastated.
0: It's, it's generational. So the biggest thing that I think Biden can do for his base, which is younger than the Republicans, is to forgive the student loan debt. It would be huge, but also would it would not huge. affect all of the fucking, you know, sad face, ragey boomers. They would not get anything from that. And it would piss them off that he's catering to the youth. He should do it anyway. He should do it anyway. But it's going to have to be those kinds of executive order things, right, that create... Four years of relief for his base to turn out and expand because the thing is is that they cannot absorb any more austerity whether the austerity is financial which it is or whether it's police violence or whether it is you know pollute you know brown fields and pollution and the fucking water crisis in flint which still hasn't been fixed and happened under the obama administration all that stuff is creating austerity and precarity and exhaustion on top of coronavirus so he has got to do something, but it will create generational rifts. And the dem- and he should take that for the team. He should take all of the heat from all of the fucking boomers and ride off into the sunset after his one term yeah. and leave the rest to, to younger voters because otherwise the Democratic Party is not going to make it. They, could sell, they should sell it like the Republicans sell the tax cuts. They won't because the it'll economy. piss off Wall Street. I mean, the fact that, you know, in some ways, the fact that Goldman Sachs is like we would prefer a Biden presidency is a thing that created momentum against Trump and is a golden handcuff for the Democratic Party and for Biden in particular, coming as he does from Credit Card Island. You know, you, you have me on tape in these episodes years ago. And then again, when Biden decided to run, being like this man is a gaffe machine, once he gets in front of the, the microphone again, he's going to turn in the old Joe Biden. And he's going to be a disaster financially. And I don't think that that's untrue. I do think that there is a different opportunity for him now, but I don't know that he'll take it. I'm not at all confident that he will take it and move himself to the left. Although I do think that he has in some ways a more pragmatic take on the party than pretty much any of the other men his age, except accepting Bernie. But I think, you know, if he thinks that he and Schumer and Pelosi are going to run a bunch of game on McConnell, I just can't. It's fucking laughable. <laughs> without the progressives, without the, you know, Ocasio-Cortezes and the Talibs and, you know, no, that's, that's absurd. It's absurd. There, there's no sex or anything yeah. interesting happening in the Democratic Party without the squad. Not a fucking thing. Yeah, and they, frankly... Are likely the reason Biden got yeah, because elected. they brought all the swagger. Obama oh. had the swagger in that administration. Yeah. Okay, Biden has some, but it's hard to pull off at his age. Now.
1: You know, there there would be a party if we just got yeah. some wins. Like, you know, erasing student loans, that would be a win. That would be a win. You know, if there's a win and you sell it as a win, like we accomplished this, the Democrats, that was this party we accomplish it and if you want to see more of it i know but instead we had
0: now you know obviously the acceptance speech right is a genre of speech but biden produced the most milk toast speech and all of the speechy rhetoric people that i work with are like this is a great speech and biden's all like talking about healing and about tone and civility and i'm like oh my fucking god are we how can we not learn this lesson there was no rage there was no outrage there was no disgust there was no contempt there were no sticky animating feelings in his acceptance speech and
1: in Delaware at all again we're just repeating repeating ourselves and hoping that it works this time and i just don't see it happening and you know and there's redistricting next year which looks especially grim Now that we know the outcome of all of these state houses, and they're about to get to the drawing board with tons of data at their fingertips and redraw these districts. And guess what? It's going to be really bad for the Democrats. Um, Can
0: we talk about parlor? Definitely not snowflakey. So that's good. They definitely don't need a safe space, (laughs) totally their own. So that's nice to see. Very safe Safe
1: spacey. The thing, the thing that worries me about Parler is um, how little we actually know about it. Like, who owns it? What are their motivations? Um, and we got into this problem with Facebook, too. And the thing about censorship here, it's a, it's a tricky issue to navigate, you know, um, like, from a messaging standpoint. But it's like, <laughs> Do, don't you want messages that are, like, deliberately created by Russian trolls? Like Yeah, or,
0: like, you can't have an entire channel With that's that- just a Nazi meeting. It's not like it's hard to explain right. to people why. Mm, this could be bad. But also, I'm like, don't repeat yeah. it like it's... Um, I just... Don't make it the news. Whatever the bullshit content that they're generating in there, don't make that the news story because it creates more disinformation. Also, I just feel like the news media continues to suck at reporting distinctions in American politics for the same reason that you just laid at the feet of Zuck. It's like all 23-year-old journalists who are writing the news headlines that everybody's reading at all the top newspapers and all all the online digital sources for journalism. It's like kids who are framing the election. And I'm not anti-kid. I'm just like, can we just get some better training about how to talk about democracy and shit? Because I don't think that they're doing it well. Whether it's how do we count ballots in America yeah. and like certification always takes this long. And right. Every state gets to choose because of, you know, the Commerce Clause and federalism. And so this is a state's right issue in terms of how ballots are given and how voting happens and how the shit is counted and how the electoral college works. Like there is just such a basic level Of information that the public doesn't know, which makes them susceptible to wanting to go Nazi in the parlor or go liberal sad on Facebook.
1: Well, the problem is, like, all of these people defecting to parlor. I mean, they are upset about... facts. They're upset about facts. And, yeah. And so that... That, to me, is tricky. And I I have done a thing where I've posted on people who have have posted on Facebook some, like, um, accusations of fraud. I've, you know, tried to post information that indicates that what they've posted is, you know, uh, falsified information. And they're like, well, that's fake news. (laughs) But I'm like, so it's like anything that benefits your point of view um, is accurate. And anything that contradicts it is fake. Okay. I don't know exactly. I mean, maybe it's like years and years of the president diminishing journalism, you know, and that's like become. Ingrained. Well,
0: I mean, it's not it's not that it's ingrained. It's a feature, uh, not a book. Like early American newspapers were totally partisan. Right. You, let, you read the Whig newspaper if that's the yeah. team you're on. So that's not like nothing about the polarization is actually new as a structural feature of how people want their own ideas. You know, it's like this is like a baby bird and a mama bird. It's like, here's the news. I'm going to eat it up and puke it back into your mouth. That's what people want from the news because they're not taught how to be critical thinkers or how to weigh ideas against each other or how to research. Or blah, 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 a whole bunch of other skills that they need to be, uh, you know, well-trained citizens in a modern democracy. And, And that's intentional because we withhold educational resources from them and segregate their schools and undermine their knowledge base by underpaying teachers, destroying the teachers union and basing school resources on, you know, taxes based on property, property taxes. So that's an intentional product.
1: Uh, structural wealth. That could be fixed. I do worry about, like, you know, where information comes from and, like, that it's often mystified. Like, who's funding this information? Obviously, like, the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos. And I think they've done a fair job. There's no
0: world without Amazon right now. And they should be unionized and taxed. Period. For sure. But I mean, there's I think that there's just like so much labor room to expand inside of Google, Facebook, um, Amazon, the poultry plants and meat plants. One of the things that I think is going to be real terrible about the regulations that Trump is going to drop on us right now before he's out of office are going to be a bunch of things about the speed of meatpacking plants and forcing them to move faster with less Uh, health and safety regulation. There are a bunch of organizing opportunities that are going to come even in the flurry of regulations that Trump is going to try and roll through before he abdicates in January that are going to be opportunities. I just just don't think that the Democratic Party will see them as opportunities because I think that the Democratic Party still sees their ideal party member as white and middle class. And until they really fundamentally, honest to God, change that, it's going to be very hard for them to make any inroads in the state houses or state legislatures or house or Senate.
1: I would love to see that, but you know, the corporate interests are funding like too much at this point. And obviously they're inside organizing. So like there has to be some kind of separation um, for that to happen. And like, you know, uh, there has to be I mean, I, I don't want to keep harping on messaging, but organizing is going to require that. It's going to require divesting it's
0: resources require from the that. party into the grassroots organizers. That's what the Republicans did via the Koch brothers. Right. And the Tea Party. But the Democrats d- refuse to do that because they don't want to give up control of the governing apparatus, even it means, if it means that they lose and were plunged into fascism. I mean, in some ways, I think Biden's win is great for expanding voters, especially 18 to 29. In some ways, it's a terrible narrative and terrible piece of our modern history because I think it very well could doom us into this <clears throat> continued milk toast positionality against a reinvigorated, much more
1: emotionally robust in some ways right. How do you not control the narrative around Amazon even like with the post office and Trump saying the post office basically subsidizes Amazon, which is a Republican talking point for days. How do you not mobilize and reframe the narrative to say, yeah, we should tax them. (laughs) That's because they don't, that's because they fundamentally
0: agree on the tax structure that the Republicans have pushed because they've fundamentally benefited from it. So it's like, it's the same thing about Trump right now. He can't attack Biden's ideas right now without admitting that Biden will be the next president. In the same way, the Democrats don't want to attack the tax cuts and tax structures that the Republicans have pushed for the last 20 years, basically, because they fundamentally benefited from them. And I mean the Democrats who are who have been elected. I don't mean the rank and file Democratic base, although many of them as well. Right? But they're not setting the tone of the party. I mean, this is
1: why Ocasio-Cortez is popular because she does call for taxing Amazon and that she does control the narrative about that.
0: I know, but it's a read the room situation and the corporate Dems, you know, the, the center of the party knows this and does not want it to change, you know, and it's, you know, it's like the same reason that Pelosi will not debate any of the people who challenged her 30 years in the House. She's never stood for a debate against any challenger ever. So honest to God, part of this is just so generational and so entrenched. I just worry it's going to take time because they don't have the intellectual um, skills or the political commitments to freedom and democracy that they want to pretend that they do.
1: Like, let's close on this. What do we want to see?
0: Grassroots organizing that can flip seats. So like. And that's what I want to see the Democrats. I want to see the Democratic Party dump yeah. a bunch of money into Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, and expand their base in the West. I want to see them figure out what worked in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and expand there. I want them to do I want them to, to enact the Green New Deal quite frankly, at least have yeah. a fucking vision, you know And I, I don't think it's too yeah. much to ask, especially since in the wake of you know uh, Goober McFashton who's on his way out, I think uh, we could have a pretty robust conversation about lots of stuff, and his mishandling of them would be very good object lessons in in democracy. But I don't know that it'll go that way. We'll see.
1: I'm also hoping for uh, more accountability, like, institutional accountability. um, I would settle for a bunch of institution building, (laughs) too. New uh, institutions,
0: not just, like, the post office, which I obviously love and stand for, but, like, you know, universities and other things like that. I think we'll get some more institution building. But mostly, you know, I'm resentful that the COVID handling has been so
1: fucking terrible. And I miss seeing your place And the lack of care and responsibility. You know, just like, it is what it is attitude. <laughs> it doesn't have to be this way, actually. Like, this was preventable, actually it's
0: it's such it's such a disappointing thing to have to live through this weaponization of care as a weak and effeminate and anti-democratic process i just we've got so many more months to go and it's going to be really terrible and i i don't know i think people mostly wanted leadership change perhaps about the covid but covid distributed suffering into white families in a way that created a problem for Trump and his race narrative and um, most of the Democratic candidates and leaders uh, don't seem to understand that it's the distribution of suffering that helped radicalize some voters and solidify the base and I just I don't have a lot of optimism that they're going to get that right and decrease the suffering for the people who need it most inside and outside of their base. And that's the only that's the lesson that they need to learn is how to expand freedom and decrease suffering.